Welcome to Pagan Coffee Talk, a traditional Wiccan podcast where we will discuss topics affecting the pagan community from a traditionalist perspective. The topics we discuss are picked from our magical hat, and the discussions are unscripted. The talk should be led by Lord Chase Knight Smith, Elder and High Priest of Third Degree, and he's joined by Keegan, First Degree Priestess. Pagan Coffee Talk is brought to you by Life Temple and Seminary. Welcome to Pagan Coffee Talk. I'm Keegan, and as always, Lord Knight. As a traditionalist, how strict are you with keeping the dates of the Sabbaths or the full moons and things like that? Not that strict. I'm more strict about, okay, if everybody in my temple has agreed, which the majority of them have, we're going to at least do full moons on the, full, on the day of the full moon. Right. And then I'm going to set a time. Okay, it's going to be at 7 o'clock. If you're running late and you don't let us know and you show up, you know, and it's 5 after, you're probably not going to get in. If you're going to be, you know, 15, 20 minutes late, you're definitely not going to get in. (laughs) You know, I'm not going to stop the ritual cut a door out of ritual space to go to the back door to see who in the world it is. Right. That's not fair to those who showed up on time. Well, 20 minutes late, ritual's about over anyway, ain't it? Uh, Pretty much. Now, when we do Sabbaths, we try to do it to the weekend that's closest. Because those are a little bit more, some of them are a little bit more grandiose than others. Right. Right. Like on all the grands, we normally do a feast some type of feast, so there's food, drink, conversation, chill back, music playing. A celebration. It's, yeah, it's a celebration. So you're not a stickler for keeping the dates, though. Maven's on, no. you know, Monday or Tuesday, and that's when we're going to do it. It doesn't matter. The closest we can get is that, because sometimes it's hard to get everybody to take the same days off. What? I was going to say, I think a lot of people that don't know traditionalists have it in their head when it comes to the Sabbaths and um, the full moons that there's no wiggle room. Traditionalists are strict sticklers for that. This is the Sabbath. Come hell or high water. This is when we're doing the ritual. I've never seen that. I haven't either. I don't know where that comes from. I, I don't either. Because, I mean, if you start to think about it this way, I got my first degree. When did I get my first degree, Oswin? <laughs> There's an uh. 200 years ago. How old was I? I was still in my 20s. Mid-20s? 25? I was around 25. And I'm like almost 50 now. Two decades and a half ago. Right. And I have been around traditionalists all this time and interacted with other groups and stuff like that. I've never seen them do that because, I'm sorry, there's this world we live in. It's called life. It's called life. (laughs) I mean, don't get me wrong. If the temple has 
few people there and we can, we might ask, hey, look, you know what? The actual Sabbath is on Friday. Can anybody can everybody take that day off? But there's nothing wrong with waiting until that Saturday. Right. And there's nothing wrong with, okay, you do the you've done this or you've come to a full moon and then the next night you do your own ritual. You do so you, your own Yeah, I mean at home and in the privacy of your own home, if you want to do that ritual on that date without a big to do and do it by yourself. We're not going to stop you. We're not going to be sitting back going, oh, no, 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 no. You can't do that. Right. There are some traditions that we do follow. Like if you're a first degree and you're studying for your second, you're allowed the right ritual. We're going to let you write ritual. Yes, the ritual has to be approved by the high priest or priestess or both. The majority of the time we're looking over that is we're looking, first of all, at your ability to write ritual from a learning standpoint. Right. And we're also looking, okay, now I got neophytes that had just started, and they haven't quite learned this yet, which means if I let you do this ritual, they're going to be confused, or they're not going to completely understand it. Right. We do the same thing with second degrees with less scrutiny uh, because by the time you get second degree, you'll pretty much know what in the world you can and can't do because you've already gone through it enough. But, yeah, if if you happen to be revealing a mystery that neophytes aren't ready for. So it has to accommodate everybody who's going to be there. Right. It's rarely a, oh, no, I just don't like this. Coffee and donuts? I don't think so. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about you know, as far as – go ahead. Oh, no, no. Which I was going to say, if you could put down as a topic, we can actually talk about writing rituals. I was going to say, I don't even know if I'm allowed to even <laughs> mention anything about that. <laughs> I don't know anything. Yeah, I mean, our regular Sabbaths and Esbats, no, there, there's no – I don't want to say there's no mysteries there, but they're not things. Some of these are things we are allowed to talk about. There might be some details we might have to leave out during a podcast or a regular conversation, but I don't see a problem with that. Now, rituals we will ne- you'll never hear us talk about are our initiations. I was going to say initiation, maybe. <laughs> initiations. We do not talk about our initiations. Our, our weddings rituals we'll talk about our rights we will not talk about and which now everybody's going to be asking what in the world's the difference between a right and a ritual i think the bigger question is the difference between tradition and ritual what do you mean well tradition is something you do over and over and over a ritual is something you do over and over or the same the same way over the and same over. way well there are certain aspects of our ritual we do over and over and over again. Hence, like the way we cast circle, the way I learned to cast circle at, through temple, and the way you learned how to cast circle through temple mm-hmm. is the same way. Lady Alba's learned it. All the other first degrees and second degrees learned it, and we all know it. Now, 
What you do at home in the privacy of your own home, again, is your own business. How you cast circle, we're not going to interfere with that. But the casting of circle is a traditional thing. When we come together as a group, this is the way we're going to do it. Right. Again, we're not going to sit there and tell anybody it's the way or the only way to do it. It's a way. It's our way. It's our way. It's to keep everybody on that same page. If we think about it in context of um, Southern Baptist or Baptist, there's a certain rhythm to all Baptist churches. You go from one to another, and that rhythm's going to be there, which is the majority of the times come in, there's a greeting, then you, you know, there's like a prayer, then there's a song, then there might be another prayer, and then there's preaching, then there's another song. Right. Do you see what I'm saying? There's a rhythm that, right. Again, those rhythms are always the same way. The format is the same way. Every time you go in there, the preaching part, the message, changes. But the setup is the same. Certain beliefs. A lot of us hold certain beliefs the same. Do we believe 100% the same thing? Not all the time. Little branches on the same tree. The same tree. But, you know, the, the core concept, the majority of us agree on. Well, how do traditionalists feel about people being parts of or members of different covens? What do you I've mean? Seen that, I've seen this a lot where I am part of this coven. I'm a member of this coven, but I'm a member of this coven, too. And I'm a member of this coven over here. I'd get a little leery about that. Just a tad because, you know, you're splitting loyalties there. Now, with that said, am I going to sit here and get upset because person A wants to go visit another temple or something like that? No. No, I mean, they're mem- they are members of them. I, I would question that. Now, with that said, we do have people in temple that might move halfway across the country and join another traditional temple because there's nobody else like them around. And they themselves do not want to run and operate a temple. Now, when that happens, the protocol there is, for example, like you, let's take you as an example. Keegan, you wanted to, since there's nobody else in your area that's part of Life Temple and Seminary, Mm -hmm. you go and visit a different temple. It's a good feel. And you're like, yeah, I'd like to join y'all. You would look at that high priestess and let them know who and where you're from, and they will contact us to verify your degree, your education, and stuff like that. And when you go into that tradition, you're automatically accepted as such. Was that to join or is that to participate? Well, the majority of times it's to participate, but again, if you were a person that did not want to run a coven or start a branch of Life Temple and Seminary in your area, I could see where in the world that would go. But, you know, at the same time, you're, you're sort of breaking ties from us. You might not be breaking friendships, but you're breaking ties from us. Well, say someone lived on the East Coast 
Right. And they moved to California. Right. And it was just not feasible, you know, right. to fly across the country. And so they found a coven, you know, in California. Yes, and they, they could join that. They could join that coven, but in the process of joining that coven and going through that with their high priest and priestess contacting us to verify all that, you're sort of breaking ties with us. You're technically being taken off that membership list. So this let's belong to three and four covens is not something no, that you agree with. No, not necessarily, no. Because breaking that tie with us to join this other temple is you're going to get a call from one of our elders saying, okay, you know, we understand when you're doing this. You know, I hope you're happy with them. You know, we're still here. We're still your friends. But you call and asking me questions as your high priest or it's probably not going to happen anymore. Now, you call and tell me about your dog or your kids or stuff like that, you know, no problem. But the religious part. The religious part, I'm going to tell you, you need to go to your elders of that temple. Well, I'm, I'm sure they wouldn't want a, right. a new member going back to their old <laughs> priest or right. priestess either. <laughs> right. Well, and because I'm thinking about it this way is I wouldn't necessarily would want that the other way. Just like I would not want that high priest or priestess there to undercut what my teachings are, I wouldn't want to under, undercut theirs. Right, right. For those who have reached that third degree level, and so I got too much respect for to do that to them. It's and not fair for the person either. No, We're it's not fair. kinds of information here. It's like, right. you know, because from high priest against high priest. <laughs> right. And it's not – that's not fair. I mean they're playing right. my real parents against my adopted parents. Right, right. <laughs> you know, that's not fair. But I mean no, don't get me wrong. Now with that gone, like at second degree, most of our second degrees are allowed to teach. They're allowed to teach the material that's in Life Temple and Seminary. Now that person who left that temple and was out in California would be told, okay – we know you have the material. Either A, you need to send it back or destroy it. You're you're no longer allowed to teach this to others. Does that make sense? So something like that void of the coven would happen. Right. Right. That's the only way it happens. Now, you know, if we're talking about a hiving off, no, there's not a void of coven. You're still part of Life Temple and Seminary. For example, you know, you get your second degree, then you get your third, and you want to start a temple out where in the world you are. You're not void of us. I just branched off. You've you've branched off. You've run your own independent coven. We do not stick our nose in there. The main or the main coven that the controls parent. us, yeah, that council that we have, they're only concerned of have you broken any of the uh, Lady Sheba's laws or any of the bylaws? So I could teach Greek. So you could teach, right. Egyptian. And, right. But as long as you're teaching the base teachings where we consider it pertinent to where, okay, even though y'all were doing Egyptian over here at your temple, y'all could come back to the main temple and still be able to function quite well. You know, y'all know exactly what's going on and why we're doing what we're doing. 
Right. As a traditionalist, when it comes to ritual, is there any time that you would change something? And if you were going to change something, do you just change it or do you have to call in a group of elders and go, okay, here's what we want to do? Give me an example of what you're talking about. Colors. If you just wanted to change instead of the basic pagan colors, you wanted to use your Celtic colors. Just something simple like that. From temple to temple, no. We would expect that all the temples would teach both colors. Does that make sense? Well, you're the parent temple, correct? Right. So if you wanted to change them. If I wanted to change them. Yes. Considering what my position is and what I do, uh, if I'm going to change a tradition, try to change or alter a tradition, I better have a good reason. Because I'm going to the council. Because when we're talking about that council level, that's something that affects all temples. Mm, Good answer. So I, I have to have a really good argument, a good study, or a good reason behind doing this action does that make sense yeah it's a good answer i like i mean i I really have to have my study down and proof and evidence of hey guess what we were wrong it was really this has that happened not really you know the majority of the stuff that we debate on that level are more fine details so nothing major Nothing major. That you know, would change your whole way of life. <laughs> well, like, like for example, we do our initiations at a set point during the year. Mm-hmm. If we need to change that for whatever reason, I better have some really good evidence of why it should be moved. Okay. This would be some groundbreaking, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to find some ancient stone tablet. (laughs) (laughs) And drag it with me. (laughs) And it carbon dated and all this other stuff. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's it's never uh, just because. (laughs) It just feels right. (laughs) It just feels right. I mean, I I think that's one thing all traditionalists have in common. I could be wrong, but most of the traditionalists I have met, like me, there's always the reason why. No, we might not always be able to tell you or straight out tell you or just because, you know, you're Billy Joe, Jim Bob, that comes up out of the street and asking me questions. Well, what about this? What about that? What about that? I'm probably not going to be able to directly answer all your questions. I might eventually have to look at you going, that's a mystery. I really can't discuss that. If you get too pushy about it, I typically like to try to avoid it because, you know, most people get upset as soon as you sit there and go, oh, that's a mystery. I can't discuss it. Oh, you're hiding knowledge. You shouldn't hide knowledge. No, it's a traditional mystery. We're not allowed to do this. Well, it's a mystery religion. It's a mystery religion. Well, you know, you shouldn't have mysteries from people. Well, take the classes. Right. You know, They're available to you. Yes, they are available to everybody. Believe it or not, our classes are free. 
We do not charge for cla- for spiritual classes. At Life Temple and Seminary, we do not charge for classes. You can come, yes, when you show up. There is an interview process, and that's just to see if there's a good fit. Right. I've met with people and sit there by talking to them. I might look at them and at the end of it go, you know, I really don't think you're going to be happy in this organization, in this structure. There's this place over here or this place over here. You might fit in better. And does anybody else have to agree with that or just you if you are teaching this person? If I'm teaching this person, no, it's just me. At a third degree, I have that right. Do you have to let anybody else in the coven know that you have a new student? Nope. Do you typically let I typically yeah, yes. I typically let others know. <laughs> and it's normally after so long I've been teaching somebody. Probably about three months. Right. Three or four months. Right. Uh, and why that, is that why is it three months? Hmm? Three to four months. <laughs> I will call up the lady and say, hey, guess what? I got a new student. This is who it is. But you don't have to. No, I don't have to. Just like she don't have to either, but. You do. But we do just to keep each other informed. Because you're talking more along like that random person. If I'm doing a full-on class because we've had a a bunch of inquiries and stuff like that, and I'm going to be having a class of 10, 20 people. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's going to know from the start. <laughs> the floodgates have opened. <laughs> and I, oops, hey, guess what? I got like 20 people I got to do class with. It's going to be upfront and honest. Because sometimes it don't happen that way. Sometimes it will just be one student. It's nice when it's just one student, at least from the student's point of view. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but we can't do that for everybody, so, you know, sometimes it just happens that way. (laughs) It also depends on what area you're in. Any other questions? All traditionalists teach first that you know of. That I know of? Yeah, that you know of. I know all traditionalists, you have to do some type of coursework. Is that's a traditional thing is that you have to do some type of coursework to get your first degree or to be considered for first degree. Typically, that process goes like this is you contact a temple. Or you find a temple or you find us. And you'll email us and talk to someone like Oswin, who will then set up an appointment to talk to somebody like me or Lady Alba or Lord Raceland, to meet with, to study under, or to study with. We'll meet with you, do an interview. If we decide to teach you, we'll exchange information then, and normally that first meeting is met somewhere out in public. We'll ask some questions, let you talk a lot, and then you'll start your classes. Now, somewhere in the point of that class, We'll start suggesting to you that you might want to fill out a letter or to write a letter to request initiation in the first degree, if you want it. Because that choice 
that first step, that first choice there is your choice. I've had a lot of people that have done classes and said, nope, don't want to get initiated. All I wanted was this info. Bye. And they leave and go on a merry way. And you were okay with that? Yes. Well, I have to be. That's the way our bylaws are set up. Because I think there's a lot of problem is people think just because you take the first degree classes that you have to get initiated. It's your choice. Well, you don't want anybody to become a member that doesn't want to be. Right. I don't want somebody there that don't want to be there. Or feel like they should out of obligation. You know, I took right. the class. Uh, uh, right. Yes. You know, I mean, now with that said, over the years, we've had people that have come and took the class and were upfront and honest with us to start with going, hey, I'm not going to be initiated. You know, somebody in my family is, I just want to learn more. We've had police officers come to us and go, I want to learn more about this religion because out on my job, we got a lot of these and I'd like to know how can I put this? Are they devil worshippers? Yeah, are they devil worshippers? Or, you know, are they doing something they're not supposed to? Or are they part of this religion? Or am I dealing with a bunch of kids that have watched one too many horror movies? Do you give him the rundown or do you teach him the classes or how would that? We teach the classes. That's, you know, that way they know. They know what questions to ask to figure out what these people are. That seems awful strange, I know, for some people, but. That they'd care, you mean? Well, that they care or that we do classes that way, that we're letting you run free with certain information. But, again, there's a re. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) There's a reason we call them first-degree mysteries and that you're not going to learn a lot of these mysteries until you're after your first degree. And do you do that to be mean? No. We want to know if you're going to stick around or not. And mysteries have to be revealed um, through At a certain, through a certain progression, yes. And you don't charge for classes? No, ma'am. Why not? It is the way our bylaws were set up when Temple was set up. And Lord Men truly believe that spiritual knowledge should not have a price tag attached to it. And which I believe the same thing. Is that just your tradition or are most traditionalists that way? All I can speak about again on that is my tradition. The only time I would actually ever think about charging for classes is, again, if I had 20-something people that wanted to learn all at one time and I needed to rent a space to house all these people forever how long the class is. And even but you then, be for the class. No, not the class itself. It would be, hey, look, we're having to spend this much to rent this conference room or whatever, and here's the price, and to rent this out all this time. Here's what I'm going to need from everybody to kind of help reimburse that. Right. Again, we're not going to hunt for the most expensive or fanciest places. So just something with the roof over your head, <laughs> well, something affordable that we feel comfortable enough to start teaching these classes, because to us, the safety of those 
taking the classes is just as important as anything else. Some people have certain careers and stuff, and they're afraid that if people found out that they're interested in this religion, that it might reflect badly on them. It's still taboo. It is, to a certain extent. So, you know, if you're a professional, if you're a doctor or a lawyer or something else where you're dealing with the public, you really don't necessarily want people to know that. Sometimes you might not even want certain family members to know your Mm -hmm. beliefs because their beliefs contrast with yours. Now, with that that said, I'm going to be honest with you. If you come to me and your spouse doesn't know, I'm probably not going to teach you if you have a spouse or a significant other. Because of the drama associated with it? Because of the drama and… Some of the stuff or lessons that you're going to be learning to do this is not going to be subtle. (laughs) Really? Really. That's totally new information. (laughs) You know, some of the stuff we teach and to get you to do changes people. Uh Uh-huh. And I, I believe it for the majority of people, it changes them for the better. For the majority. For the majority. (laughs) And I'm sorry, these are not things that you can hide from somebody that close to you. So you wouldn't do anything or teach anybody that you thought was going to put Coven at risk or in danger or anything like that? No. I mean, the last thing you want to do is teach somebody with an angry spouse who doesn't want them to. Following them over there for rituals and classes and coming in and interrupting them, find out what's going on and blow up. Right. Not going to do that. If you do not think your spouse ain't going to suddenly notice you going over to some strange guy's house (laughs) once a month (laughs) for several hours with a group of other people. (laughs) Oh, no, it's just a book club. Uh, It's a Tupperware party. (laughs) Yeah, but I never see you read any books. You know. Tupperware. <laughs> it's not going to happen. I mean, especially, you know, because, I mean, we have certain reading lists and there are certain books that are pretty obvious what they are. <laughs> <laughs> They're not recipe books. <laughs> you know, I, I see you're in a book club and I see you're reading Drawing Down the Moon. Right. right. <laughs> What's this about? <laughs> um, a lady. <laughs> She likes the moon. Pentagram <laughs> <laughs> on it might give it away. Might give it away. You know, <laughs> or when you start, you know, keeping notebooks and and notes and start doing things like, oh, you know, they've never meditated before, but now they are. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> I'm going to this book club. What's going yeah. on over here? I, I mean, Keegan, let's just be honest. Could you have hidden everything you've gone through for through your studies so far? Could you have hidden all this from your husband? No. No. So I don't see you getting away with that. No. Absolutely not. And it's not just the books that you read or 
the person's house you go to every month. It is what you go through as a person. You can't hide that. No. Tell them that you're just having a mental breakdown. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm out of coffee. Oh, I've been out of coffee. Thank you for listening to Pagan Coffee Talk. I hope you join us next week. We travel down this trodden path, the maze of stone and mire. Just hold my hand as we pass by a sea of blazing pyres. And so it is the end of our days, so walk with me till morning breaks. And so it is the end of our days, so walk with me till morning